0: place for friendship, feminism, and cultural cuddly bits.
1: <laughs> we want to keep you keen while you quarantine. Keep you up uh, to date while you isolate.
0: We only have 30 minutes to rock your world. But knowing some of you, that won't be a pumpkin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be
0: pumpkin in that. I didn't know either until I said it. Well, listeners, Daisy, I hope this episode finds you well.
1: <laughs> As per our previous episode.
0: I hope this find you well finds you well. I hope this well finds you email. I hope this finding you well is finding you well while you are found
1: well. Ding ding, I'm a notification.
0: <laughs> Look, okay, I know this is all fun and games, but I, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can we just pause for a moment for the oh, Angeles?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yes. Mm. Shoulder. Shoulder. Head. Shin. Fuck. Strut. Down. And down. Oh, yes. Three, four, five, six. Ooh, sorry. Nice. Just um, just wanted to reflect on that cultural reset there. Yes. Yeah. It, no, it, it happened. It happened since we last recorded, and honestly, our lives haven't been the same. I've been thinking about Mighty Cyrus for, I think, the past 14 days. Yeah. No, it hasn't changed. Like, it... it, it it's honestly something that I thought that I was I thought my life was okay and I thought that I had everything I needed to fulfill me as a person but it turns out I needed Miley Cyrus performing Blondie to be fulfilled as a human being.
1: Yeah, she she didn't just make it her own. She like she she put on her glass blowers outfit. Yeah, complete with a heat-proof visor and blew herself a heart of glass. And then smashed it on the ground. But also, all while in a beautiful (laughs) mullet.
0: And honestly, (laughs) the most important thing about what she did was she... Like, it was a tribute to an
1: icon, and it was a tribute to somebody. Yeah. Are you crying? I'm, I'm fully crying. Though, could I just, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is, this is a point I've been trying to suppress. <laughs> okay, go. But she, she wore during the performance, for you uncultured swines out there, this, we're talking about Miley Cyrus' performance of Heart of Glass. She- I heart radio. She, I heart radio. She wore a blonde mullet made it somehow look chic yes and she wore a clear body suit. yes Louboutin that's why I'm crying but also the Louboutin <laughs> stiletto <laughs> boots we yeah but yeah but like
0: uh, she took everything that's tacky and wrong with the world and made it beautiful and honestly yeah. that's
1: what we need in 2020 she gave us humanity in the graceless period that is this year of 2020 honestly 100% Daisy on that note can you
0: please give me a little summary of your week on the internet. How's it been for you? How has this week been
1: it's on the been internet? It's k- calamitous um, in a word. <laughs> if I had to select a word, calamitous is the best. Because between struggling with administrative issues of our LLM... Life admin is a lot. Um, I've also just been... I've been on some very odd deep dives. One of which, as you saw, Neve saw me engage in what I actually think was probably an episode of Mania, but is probably one of the better memories of this entire year, where I decided, I came across uh, a recipe for pumpkin soup, and I sent Neve to Little to buy two pumpkins.
0: Honestly, it was, it was one of the best tasks I've done that
1: it, day. Oh, and she came back as, you know, she no questions asked. She was like, you know, my wife needs her pumpkins. I'm off to the pumpkin cellar. Two pumpkins, please. That's what she did. And she bought two pumpkins. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, and then I, I cut Absolutely them open. Absolutely true. I, and this is like when I was... You know when you're super frustrated with, like, technology and just, like, coronavirus and just Indeed. general life? But it's not, like, so crucial that you feel okay to complain about it that you just throw yourself into a task and my task was roasting and pulverizing these pumpkins and it was i won't lie it was delicious we still have some yeah. on the hub i just i and then i threw them uh, i'll link the the recipe for anybody who wants it but it really signaled the beginning of october for us i feel like yes yes it, yeah.
0: it, it was one of those things where I I was working in the kitchen uh, uh, beside the kitchen we have an open plan living space for anyone who has never been in our house which is most of you seven listeners and um, I went upstairs to grab something and it was only when I came back downstairs. You know when you open a door and it's like you've just walked into like your grandmother's living room mm. and you can smell dinner cooking and you're just so excited Yes. and it's cold outside but it's warm inside? So cozy. And you're just so ready to just sit down and tuck into something. It's a hearty meal. That's what happened yesterday and honestly, yeah. it's what I needed and I didn't realise it.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I've also, eating pureed pumpkin is suspiciously delicious yes like I didn't I knew it would be nice as a soup when I put it with the shallots and the roasted red pepper and the chickpeas and all the rest but like just on its own delish yes I agree Um, anyway do you have anything else on the oh sorry (laughs) this is a minor other thing I discovered that Ireland's been sending cattle to Libya um every year for the no i'm not joking i
0: know i know daisy you you told me about it the other day and i nearly fell off the table i
1: I mean okay there's been a lot going on so i've missed a few things in the news like i don't need to tell you but there's been a lot going on and um i was just i think i was looking up some thing from for european law and i came across the fact that ireland is actually in breach of article 13 of the tfu which is a major treaty It's a major treaty. It's basically
0: constitutional.
1: Because we keep sending like thousands thousands, like more than 1000 bulls to Libya, which is I don't know if you've been living under a rock, but it's an actual war zone where people have to live under rocks. Do you know but what I mean? But also, I
0: mean, aside from the living conditions there, it's also very far away, and they're sending livestock yeah. in those conditions, and yeah. it's just so illegal, and again, I don't want to get sued, Quarantine FM, yeah, I no, apologise to you, but I have, I have a feeling... There's something that rhymes with the word snawhi involved. It, it does. Lawhy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it reeks of a certain um, beef in- incident that yes. happened a little while ago. It's, fa- it's uh, nearly faded in our memory. We would call them me and a mall, actually, <laughs> uh, in, in, uh, in parcel tongue. Uh, or xenazol. Uh, I'll, I'll say no more on that, Lena, lol. Yeah, but anyway,
1: I just I, I came across some, something by Ethical Farming Ireland, and the founder of which is a lady by the name of Caroline Rowley, and she was expressing her discontent at this, and then I expressed my discontent at how old this article was. It was from July, but obviously a lot was happening in July, and it went under people's noses. Well, I mean, it's still not enough. I think for the sake of profit, it would be only good to not send live bulls to a war zone it would be just the basics of integrity to not do that
0: yeah would you agree i would agree there's a lot of questions left unanswered there yeah and um i don't know who i need to email but i'm gonna start emailing people about that
1: and also i know this isn't the most moral question to ask first but how the hell do you send a bull in a plane to Libya?
0: To be honest with you, I don't really know if I want to know. Who's responsible for I mean, it? I see how stressed dogs get in cars, I don't want to see Do what, they wear, like, they can't wear seat
1: belts doing... or anything. No, I don't They've got to saying. roam about yeah. the cabin, so yeah. to speak. Oh no, the ships, sorry. Anyway, anyway, enough about the cattle in Libya. But um, how was your week on the internet, Niamh?
0: My week on the internet was uh, slightly uh, uh, more exciting, I think, actually. But okay. Than um, the last few weeks, as you know. I've been on a bit of a hiatus from social media. Yeah. Except for on weekends. And there was a moment during the weekend where I was browsing my Instagram feed. As, as you do, yeah. the social media world. And I found a page. You probably know it already. It's F Girls Club. I don't know if it's I have. Spelled L S C L E B, But it's basically a publication run by young um writers and creatives and mm-hmm. they um posted they had some really good posts up about obviously war bg who we don't have space in this episode to speak about but she she's obviously uh, her loss What we felt um for years to come but i found them through posts that they had on um ruth bader ginsburg's um passing but uh they also have some really good um Poetry and like Ooh. cultural pieces um, that they produce themselves that are shared. So I just want to give them a shout out. The other thing that I've been doing is, as you know, Daisy, because we live in each other's pockets, mm. uh, I go for a thirty-minute cycle every day mm-hmm. and uh, normally listen to a podcast of about thirty minutes long. So uh, there's a podcast which again you've heard me speak about at least twenty times this week. Three castles burning. Um, I
1: apologise I haven't listened to it yet but I feel like it's I an get incredible. From
0: it's from it It's an incredible podcast and it's it's hosted um, it, by hold on let me get his name while I tell you about the rest of it so it's essentially a, a social history podcast mm. in Dublin and it's um, it basically goes through aspects of uh, Dublin architecture, double, Dublin society Dublin, Dublin's role in greater historical events and um the ones that i would recommend the most um would be to begin with um to begin with um the podcast on uh marino which Mm. is where he discusses the concept of the garden city the beginning of the suburbs he talks a lot about Brendan Beahan's family and the Beahans, and um who who it was that was affected by the tenements, how recent the tenements were yeah. in Dublin, and who who was moved out of it and where those family ends families ended up going. It was incredibly incredibly interesting to listen to I see here I actually don't have his name up but I'll I'll post it in the show notes but basically um, can only recommend that because it's incredible he also does a lot on there was one that I found especially important because obviously we are uh, UCD graduates yeah. there was one on the role that UCD played um in the war of independence mm-hmm. and some really interesting uh that would be uh, interesting yeah but also some really interesting uh, arguments that arose between uh, students in trinity and students in ucd about the hoisting of certain flags at half mast at certain points throughout the year okay uh you can only imagine which which were rich but anyway <laughs> but anyway go on do you have anything I can elsey? only picture it. I can only and imagine
1: is it three castles burning three castles burning okay so I, I realised yes. I copped on far too late that that was relating to Dublin I but hey look we got there eventually.
0: only one of us is a dub and it isn't me so I don't know why I'm <laughs> the bloody one listening to it the whole time but anyway here we are uh, I'm <laughs> like oh, I was is doing. it about castles or something <laughs> yeah wouldn't that would not be so odd is it like room to improve except castles yeah kind of <laughs> except it's about your bloody county anyway um. So LinkedIn was another thing that I spent a lot of time doing. Oh Lizzie, God, which yeah. You witnessed.
1: I mean, I was you, there. You not saw only, before, Not right? only me, but but I. I'd like to shout out our roommate Nelly. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if she's been brought up before on the podcast, but she lives with us. She works at the European Space Agency. She, she builds rockets or something. Anyway, she's amazing, and uh, she's a really good camera. And she she took Neve's LinkedIn photo, which if those of you who know Nive on LinkedIn, it's a bomb picture. It has to be said. But um, she was she was heavily involved in the LinkedIn.
0: But she also she did like I, I mean N- Nelly's French, so she she carries on in her own French ways. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of I just kind of stood up against a blank wall and said, Oh, we'll, we'll off take, we go. We'll yeah. take a picture. That's it. Well, that that looks fine. Yeah. And she said, No, no, no. I think we can do better. And then directed me. Yeah. And said uh, you don't look good when you do this do better and I was like okay right so she's she's and in in fairness to her she did she did great but the thing that I find stressful about LinkedIn is that it's essentially social media
1: oh it is no it's the worst form of it but it's like
0: this weird flexing thing it makes me really uncomfortable anyway I spent about 45 minutes the other day sitting and staring into space and just you know when you're cringing so hard that your jaw hurts mm. that happened because I spent and your a while shoulders
1: or your ears
0: I spent a little time yeah. on LinkedIn and it just made me so uncomfortable I couldn't move on with my day for another little, little while
1: yeah like it's true it doesn't get talked about enough that people like people go on Instagram um detoxes you know where they say I'm not on Facebook anymore but no one does that about LinkedIn but actually it can be quite toxic if I you think spend it's
0: because no one on ever admits LinkedIn. to spending time on LinkedIn it's such a cesspit weird uh, yeah but it turns anyway, out yeah. will we
1: move on to that Uh definitely I don't have as many as I usually do I think it's because we've been in such agreement recently <laughs> like I haven't had reason to come up with new ones I think I have about three I won't mention how many I have but oh, I'll just <laughs> well, well then in that case fire away Okay, so this is something
0: that uh, I went on a full rant um, to you about earlier, and it's that corporate social responsibility is the most harmful fallacy of late-stage capitalism.
1: Okay, but what do you mean by that?
0: What I mean by that is corporate social responsibility, if, if you look at it in its most basic sense in terms of its function within a corporation, is that it is dealt with by the pr department it is not intrinsically linked to their actual output or to the actual running of the thing it's there as an embellishment to the corporation one two if we're actually going to do anything about climate change or if we're actually going to do anything about world hunger or poverty or all of these issues that we're facing on a global scale we need to take action and actually legislate for them if you look back to any social movement or any like movement in like history that's actually made gains the only way the civil rights act the you yeah. know employment the employment law and employment gender rights legislation all of that happens through legislation mm. and through state power it doesn't happen when a corporation says oh we promise we'll do nice things this time
1: we yeah. promise
0: we'll give you free balloons. At our How have
1: we not learned?
0: You know, I think that we have learned. It's just that people get won over by the shiny, shiny things, mm. and people get won over by you know Google saying, oh, we know that we're doing incredibly evil and manipulative things, and we're funding really odd, uh, strange data um, warriors. But what we are doing is,
1: we paid for some kids to go to school, so now you can't say shit about it. Before. Yeah, we're sorry that we're exposing our data analysts to CP on the daily yes. but you know we're giving them bean bags exactly to sit in, so
0: exactly. we're science late stage capitalism it'll really get you it's all cool do you have one to throw at me?
1: yeah so I did some investigation this week on circadian rhythms mm-hmm. so it was like um, you're put very simply by somebody who's not a medic but um, when you need to be asleep when it's dark and how you need to be awake when it's bright yes and how our circadian rhythm is not at odds as much when we're a newborn in fact it's just developing when we're a newborn but it's at odds the most in our life when we're teenagers and teenagers develop a really really strange circadian rhythm due to adjusting to their new hormone system interesting and there's a strong theory and i'm putting my back behind it that we need to start school later And finish it later to better appeal to these circadian rhythms of teenagers apparently if doing doing so we could we could honestly craft better people for the future because they would be less aggressive less tired they would be able to excel better at school they would be able to better identify their skills for future careers and would not be under such pressure and obviously the big one they would suffer less from depression so I totally would be behind them starting school at like 11am and then finishing it at 6 or 7 rather than 8 till 4 whatever. I
0: mean this is only anecdotal but I mostly what I remember from being a teenager and I'm not sure if this is because of the leaving search or if this was because of my hormones I was exhausted all of the time I remember yeah. I once fell asleep at uh, the back of my history class mm. and I was sitting there and
1: I just fell asleep and woke up and I was still in class I think. How it's, exhausted I do you think, need to be for that to happen? I think we've spent a huge amount of time disregarding why teenagers um uh, behave like teenagers because they're tired and yes. they and they are deprived of of things like that and now science is somewhat proving why and we're ignoring that and I think it would be a good idea. I agree.
0: So uh, my little hot take here is one which I think you will enjoy, and it's that. I think our generation loves astrology and star signs so much because we grew up categorizing ourselves into Hogwarts houses, and it helps us oh. to exist in the chaos of late-stage
1: capitalism. I think th- absolutely true, but I think that we are the kind of generation that loves to categorize ourselves at all. Yeah, like because we we suffer such a like identity crisis. Oh yeah, exactly. And we also suffer from like when we first signed on to social media, the first thing we were exposed to was like what kind of character are you quiz yes and that was like a lot of our like cyber behavior was figuring out who we were yes. and that's why we enjoyed dat's test and all that stuff yeah, yeah absolutely. i think it's all in the
0: same category absolutely um you. i also think that robin walked so lord could run
1: yeah agreed i was almost gonna think earlier robin walked so sam smith could run well, my reason for we that were talking is about that earlier yes because she captured yeah we were talking about how she captured that feeling of nightclub melancholy yes that sam is so good at in fairness so but, is lord but, yeah. but lord does too but in a more teenage way and what robin does is she brings it into this androgynous um lgbt arena
0: yeah, I I see what you're saying, but I think the difference is that in, I was I suppose one is the sound, but two is like the craft and the songwriting, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's true. They do Yeah, they have similarities for sure. I have another one that's about nakedness. It's called Well, it this is it. If our society was one giant nudist colony, we might see a decline in egocentric behaviors and probably eliminate body shaming entirely as we would have a greater sense of self and have nothing to hide a person
0: hmm, interesting
1: my reasoning is that like obviously a lot of behavior is linked to okay i hate to make it about men but it is but a lot of male behavior is linked to them wanting to seem like Unquote, the big man to seem like they have like a large package <laughs> so they can talk about it yeah. but if that was all on show and like there was no bravado about it because there couldn't be we would see a decline in this egocentric behavior and furthermore there would be no body shaming because the same way we're trying to eliminate falseness in instagram and cover-ups in instagram we would have a more exposed society, we would have a more real sense of what bodies are like and how everyone is different and yeah, and how uh, changes that we are insecure about are minute and nobody knows. So, I think the most important thing about the concept of nudism
0: is that it returns nakedness to something that isn't sexual. And I know obviously you're talking about the genitals there, um, but even in terms of anything that isn't a genital, like, seeing somebody naked and it not being a sexual thing is well yeah that's really the main point of it yeah but
1: i but what i mean is that it would reduce egocentric behavior specifically yeah because a lot of people carry their idea of what they think they look like naked through to instagram and through to how they talk to other people but if that was on show and everybody was more honest and self-facing, and could see examples of bodies that look exactly like theirs. Yeah. There would be more honesty. Yeah. 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 Definitely, would be better for society. And
0: um, we need to normalize nakedism. Nakedism. Twenty twenty. Um. We. I have some more hot takes to do, but I'll just shove them up my hole, and we can move <laughs> on to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to our photo section. Thank
1: you. That? I appreciate that. Thank That's you. really you kind
0: welcome. of you. All right. Would you like to go first, or shall I? Um, I don't mind. Would you like to introduce the poet that you've gone for this, this
1: week? Yes. So, okay, I will. My poet, her name is Tracy Brimhall, and I saved it um, quite recently, but it was posted in August on The New Yorker, and um, I just think it's it's, it's pretty and uh, quite It's called, How Bad As Fuel? Your lip, an abstraction of iris, always arousing the question of the bed. Which goodbye lasts? Only yesterday, my hands rich with dirt. I told you, milkweed is my new salvation addiction. You know I always need to save something to control it. I can make a pollen island, make your collarbone a spiritual landscape, the air around is orange and alive. The shape he left in the sheets, a shock I read as a rattlesnake's skeleton in the silverware drawer. No, a fire in a cabin. No, a cabin on fire. The absence it will make. But look at me now, my heat signature, a whole bouquet of howling, straddling scarves of smoke. It's okay that it's over. Leaving is a lesson of pleasure. My ribs, sets of parentheses. My heart, an aside, an apple ready for the twist. My legs around your hips, a pillory, our shame public to the night. Tulip shadows on the nightstand, an apology marooned and lightless, each bite mark on your shoulders synonymous with grief. You ask me to brush the match against the red phosphorus of oh goodbye in a way that makes you believe it. I asked to be the one on top, the one struck bright when God pours out the lightning
0: one thing that in that image that's really strong in that poem that i i was kind of thinking about for the rest of the poem was the fire in a cabin versus mm. the cabin on fire like a fire in a cabin is one of the most cozy comforting images you could conjure but then a f- cabin on fire is yeah. a completely different thing and One can become the other so quickly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that she's talking about... Well, first, when I first read it, I thought that she was talking about passion. Yeah. And how passion can get so quickly out of hand and go from, like, a loving passion to, like, a jealous one. Yeah. And now I feel like it's... It could be that, but it could also just be, like, being in love, getting out of hand. And when it comes to saying goodbye, how that love starts to hurt and doesn't feel so cozy anymore feels like a fire you need to put out. You know? Yeah. but I thought it was intimate and sweet. But, yeah. Is there one you'd like to share?
0: Yes. So, I have one here.
1: Also, for listeners, I'm not sure if I pronounced that word properly. Ow bad? Let me know. (laughs) A-U-B-A-D-E. I like words I don't know. So let me know what it means, I don't want to look it up. So I'll begin
0: with a um, poem by Kate Baer, who's the author of that book um, that everyone is reading, uh, What Kind of Woman, that um, was published recently, and this poem is called There Are Days, I begin. There are days I can't believe we let boys with the blue, blue jeans and slick haircuts decide the emotions of fourth grade girls. And how those boys grow into fall athletes and spring play leads, all arms around our waists and Can I call you baby now that we are thin? And how they follow us to college, haunt our rooms with little, with, with little debts, How they slip behind a desk to sign our paychecks and become somebody's husband. They now say, I have a daughter. They climb and they climb and they climb and
1: they climb that's really poignant and you know what i just remembered the little death's reference in the college rooms it's actually a lot seedier than she's letting on because little death in french is petit mort which is what they which is the name they use for orgasms Wow. so little death is like and it's 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 like quite a layered meaning because it's like part of you kind of dies in a nice way but like what they're what hurt there it's like the guy just gets to like deposit his little death Yes,
0: and that it's haunting, and haunting the room. Yeah. Which is that idea that like, you know, you're this feminine idea that apparently when a woman has sex with somebody it stays with them and there's so much shame in the room that you have that one night stand in that it that it haunts you and those little deaths stay with you.
1: Yeah, the following imagery is really interesting because it's like they, you, it's giving the the women like the direction to go toward college, and the men are just following them. You know? Yes, exactly. It's a different power balance Yes, I uh, yes, exactly. Good. I like that one a lot. Would you like to share your
0: mind? Um.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a, just a short one. Would you like to go first, me? Of course. Moment? So this is a poem by
0: Maggie Smith, who is a poet and writer who writes a lot on the topic of motherhood, and pregnancy, and transitioning in your identity as a woman. So this is called First Fall. where me begin. I'm your guide here. In the evening dark morning streets, I point and name. Look, the sycamores, their mottled paint by numbered bark. Look, the leaves rusting and crisping on the edges. I walk through Schiller Park with you on my chest. Stars smoulder well into daylight. Look, the pond, the ducks, the dogs paddling after their prize sticks. Fall is when the only things you know, because I've named them begin to end. Soon I'll have another season to offer you. Frost soft on the window and a portal side there. Ice leaving the bare grey branches. The first time you see something die you won't know it. It might come back. I'm desperate for you to love the world because I brought you here. Oh my god. You know what made me think of sharing that Daisy? What? Is the fact that we watched um... Enola Holmes this week. Oh my god! And we've just been thinking so much of our mothers and motherhood and how much the mother's perception of the world feeds into how you get to see the world and how you learn about the world. Yeah. And the world that you come to know is the world your mother created for you.
1: Yeah, and and also even on a more basic sense, the the mum is the like primary educator. As yes. in, it tells you how the world world works, not just the contents of it. Yeah, you know?
0: absolutely. Yeah. On that, I'd like to um,
1: I'd like to recommend watching Anola Holmes on yeah.
0: Netflix. hundred percent. We
1: something. enjoyed it more than we thought we would. Genuine. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Sorry, I finally got my up. This is called Haraspecs, and it's by Fiona Benson. October and the blown mushroom dissolves, its vulva-clubbed, its stalk and cap, its singed and musky gills. I've spent too long, collapsed over this inwards, dark, disembowelled, gone-to-ground, fingering my own wet spills. Bodily secretions, a dream in which I am fucking and weeping. My mind has been wrong a long, long time. Here is its fruit. It's true. I hear voices and talk to myself. I am done with shame. I like it for its witchiness and its, like, intimacy, but also, I don't know, it just, like, it, like, reeks of shame, I guess. It
0: reeks of shame, but it also reeks of this form of sexuality that Isn't that this feminine sexuality that isn't spoken about a lot, and that is you won't find on Pornhub, Pornhub, and that's like the sounds and the smells and the visuals of like a woman masturbating. Also. And the- somebody touching vulva and how that is and how that looks and everything that goes with it
1: yeah that's what I conjure for me and it's cap and it's stem like the the comparison of it to a mushroom I think is so interesting because a mushroom is like so vital in our society in so so many ways like we I recently watched fantastic fungi. if anyone's seen that it's amazing but it talks about how we use mushrooms in so many different ways and it's so vital to our society yet it's kind of shunned because it's a little bit ugly and it's a little bit mysterious and yes. I feel that that's a perfect metaphor for female sexuality yes that it's like... without it we literally would not be here exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I like that one it's called Harris Bex, if I uh, mispronounce lovely well I think maybe we should leave it there I think I agree.